the youth side. Welcome to Let's Talk, a place for open conversation. On this episode of Let's Talk, I jump into conversation with the vivacious, award-winning actress Vivica A. Fox. Also, Sir John is a global makeup artist whose artistry has gained him public acclaim. But it is his candid advocacy that has earned him even more respect. Vivica A. Fox is a powerhouse. As an entrepreneur, she created a media brand as a film producer, talk show, and podcast host. And the CEO of her own hairline. Her incredible career as an actress includes standout roles in Independence Day, Soul Food, and Kill Bill. Vivica is an outspoken and authentic hustler, tirelessly building her own empire and remaining refreshing and relevant in media for over three decades. Vivica A. Fox, thank you for joining me today. You are so welcome, darling. So, what makes Vivica A. Fox a hustler? Wow, I think it's in my nature to be very honest with you. I mean, I've always been like type A personality. Um, growing up, I played basketball, volleyball, track, and I was a cheerleader. I love life. I love living, and a multitasker. So, for me. When I then started acting, and this became like what I do for a living because I love what I do, I was very fortunate that、uh, my business partner, who I still work with to this day, Lita Richardson, she helped me learn about branding. She helped me learn about going into different chapters of my career. So, what makes Vivica A. Fox a hustler? She loves making it do what it do. I have listened to all your podcasts because. I'm a fan. There's always a common thread of inspiration and、mm-hmm. so much emotion that comes with it. Your very first episode is exactly about you and your relationship with your business partner and how you、mm-hmm. guys met. And I love this moment when you said, "I looked across the room and I saw a beautiful, gorgeous black woman." Yeah. And most people in the room are intimidated by that, but the fact that you are also a gorgeous, beautiful black woman,、Thank、you. you. Connected with her immediately, and the reason I respond to that so much is that because yeah, beauty sometimes gets in the way of success. People、yes. prejudge you. People perceive that you're beautiful. Therefore, you couldn't be a lawyer, which your business partner was. You couldn't be a great actress right away because you got where you are because you're beautiful. I want to talk about that. You took the opportunity to meet with her, and you guys became incredible dynamic duo and, and built an、yeah. empire around it. But in the very beginning. Of your career, what was it like from transitioning from a model、yeah. to an actress? For me, it, it was an easy transition, to be very honest with you, because I kind of had a Lana Turner story. I was visiting my modeling agency on Sunset Boulevard, but afterwards, I had lunch with my girlfriend, who I used to live with in New York when I was trying to model. So、uh, we were having lunch, and this gentleman by the name of Trevor Walton. Just walked up to me and he was like, "Hey, you've got a great look. I'm doing a new TV show. Which are you an actress?" And I was like, "No, I've modeled before." He says, "Well, here's my card. Give me a call. I'd love to see if I could get you an audition. I think you have a great look." So the transition from modeling to acting just happened for me. My girlfriends, when he walked away, they're like, "If he asks you out on a date, honey, don't do it." 
<laughs> but you took the opportunity and you grabbed it. I did. I called him. He got me an agent, Chris Schmidt. And Chris Schmidt was my agent for like 15 years until she moved on. Um, but I literally landed my first job as an actress three months later on Days of Our Lives. So acting just fell in my lap. I really didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. I knew how to get in front of a camera and pose. Wow. But um, as far as acting, that then came later. And then, of course, I started studying and I took it very seriously. And I'm really glad that I turned into an actress because now at least I can have a sandwich. (laughs) It's all about those coins. In that period of transitioning and working and you have to hustle to get there, do you have any of the internal motivation by looking at what's on the screen and say, can I be that actress? Can I be that person? Was anybody on screen that really inspired you at that time? Absolutely. Pam Greer. Pam Greer was right. Let's just back. Let's just Mm. back. Let's just Mm. back. Pam Greer. Powerful women. Powerful women. On screen and off screen. I love Pam Greer and Diana Ross. Those were absolutely my icons, my role models. Um, matter of fact, I named my production company after Pam Greer. I got to interview her on this BET special where you got to interview legends, people that you admired. I could barely make it through the day I'm interviewed because I was crying the whole time because I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting there talking with Pam Greer. So with this expression like Pam Greer and Diana Ross and naming your company after that, what is it that actually like in your your circle of friends or family, is it your mom, your dad? Who gave you this mm, hustle? The combination of both. My mother, I always saw my mother, Miss Evelina Fox, who worked two jobs. Her and my dad separated when I was four years old. So my mother um, instilled my work ethic. I watched my mother raise four kids by herself, even though her and my dad um, divorced. He, my dad was always in my life, but my mother, I watched my mother work two jobs, raise four kids, never feel sorry for herself that she had children, that she was a woman, that she was a black woman years ago. And then my father instilled my sense of personality, my athleticism. So both of them, to be very honest with you, I got my work ethic from my mom and my personality from my daddy, which has created this Vivica A. Fox. What's A, by the way? The A stands for awesome. No, I can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you set me up good. No, my name is Vivica and Janetta Fox. And that the, sounds awesome to me. I know that's right. And growing up, people couldn't pronounce Vivica. So I used to go by my nickname, which was Angie. So whenever someone comes up to me and says, hey, Angie Fox, I know they know me from 38th and Emerson, from Indianapolis, Indiana, which is where I was raised. Let's talk about the hustle. What's the first hustle that you remember that got you going saying, yes, this is right. I am on the right path. When I landed my very first contract, I've had an amazing career and I've been so blessed. When I landed that first contract on Generations and I finally got to stop waiting on tables because back in the day, children, your girl Vivica Fox was hustling even back then. I was going to college, uh, waiting on tables. I had a couple of jobs. I mean, I was doing everything to make it. But when I was finally able to land that contract on Generations, which was the first fully integrated soap opera, and say, 
I'm an actress. Wow. I knew I was on to the right thing. We all know the entertainment world is tough to navigate and breaking in is a challenge for everyone. As a woman of color, Ithaca has an empowering perspective on the industry. Did you ever feel like because you're a woman of color that was more hindrance and there were roadblocks for you to get there? No, I've never used my color as a roadblock, as a crutch. I've never considered it a roadblock or a crutch because I'm a woman, first of all. Let's start there. And then I'm an African-American woman. So if you look at your minuses instead of your pluses, you're always going to say, well, I'm never going to make it because of, and I never used woman or color. I said, I'm a go-getter. I'm a hard worker. I take good care of myself. I will apply myself, which means that I will succeed. By watching how you work, you have set that example. Because mm -hmm. it's so interesting for you to say that, no, I don't use my color as a gradual excuse. Because I'm still going through that process of learning, right? I'm still learning through, hey, I watch the television and I don't see any Asian people on there. Maybe there's one in a cast of 20 still. And I feel yeah. like for the first time, I'm beginning to reflect on the hardship that Black community have done. And yeah. the Asian community are kind of going through that now. And you guys are still paving the way for the community to be have solidarity, you know? And, and we need more diversity, regardless yeah. of transgender, Asian American, or American Asian, or Black, or whatever color rainbow they may be. I feel like now, because we have so much network television that's non-network, digital network television, it's truly embracing the global aspect of what we should see on TV. Because now I can choose on Netflix or Hulu or this digital platform like HBO exactly. Plus and go, I'm going to go look at Asian people or I'm going to go look at uh, Black history and I can learn. I think that's something that happened. Everything happens at this really weird time, right? Everything's right. happening. is boiling onto the surface. And I am learning more about my own race more than ever through this time and listening to women because we went through the Me Too movement and now it's such an incredible time to learn all over again. You're inspiring so many people by just simply showing what you have done over this period of incredible career. Thank God that finally now in our society that especially opportunities that it's not, well, I'm looking for a white person or a black person. It's that I'm looking for the person who's most qualified for the job. And that includes male or female. So there's a lot of obstacles. It's just like, don't let anything hinder you. If there's something that you see that you want to try, that you want to do, or someone that you want to work with, you have to put yourself out there and say, hey, I'd love to work with you. But do the work. This is what I tell people. Just don't think just because you're good looking or because, oh, y'all need to hire a black person or y'all need to hire an Asian person. Don't do that. Just say, I want to work. I want to do this. I want to be involved. I want to be productive. And I just find out that if you don't put handicaps in front of yourself, that the world is just like a big oyster, just ready for you to eat and explore. If you don't limit your horizons, you can do whatever you'd like, but you've got to apply yourself. Ithaca is an influence for countless women and men with their bold approach being an entrepreneur. She has a broad perspective and a lot of advice on the subject of brand and team building. 
physical ASOS is a brand. Overall, it's just a brand. You're the CEO of this brand. Under the umbrella, there's books and there's hair. Have anybody ever come to you say, you're doing too much. You need to focus. You're just, it's, it's too much. No. <laughs> and I'm, you know, the reason that I say that because in so much in all career, especially in a fashion career, like they pigeonhole you, right? Either yeah. you're a designer or you're a photographer or you're, and, and I, I'm one of those people who, you know me, I do so many different things, right? I got a cooking show there in Asia and also I'm a hosting show in, in, in Taiwan and nobody should ever tell you what you cannot do. Exactly. And, and you mentioned this, build your squad. And I absolutely love that. Surrounding with people that will support you and join you and have the same mission. And that is really, really hard. It is really hard in our industry because in a weird way that a lot of people around us who have the skill set sometimes want to pull you down and you got to figure out how to build that squad. It's not easy. So what is it that make you be able to overcome all that and go, you know what, I'm still going forward? A lot of trials and tribulations, to be very honest with you. I had to realize who was good for me and who wasn't. And to be able to say, you know what, I wish you well, but I'm going to keep it moving and keep it moving for Vivica. I always say this, especially to my women, because women are such nurturers that you got to learn who is dragging down your nipples and who is making them lift up and be perky. And I mean that, okay? <laughs> if somebody is just sucking all of the nutrients and just taking and taking and taking from you, you need to get them out of your life. You want someone that when they see you, someone when their number comes up or when an email comes from them, that you always feel inspired, motivated, that you can make money together, that you can do things together. And not be afraid to be focused on those people. Not all of your friends have to be on the same level. We all have different levels of friends. But I'm saying professionally, you really have to have winners in your circles or people that are bringing something to the table. Not takers. Eliminate the takers. That's how you will be successful. And and you know what? That's something that I've learned in our fashion business as well. And because the genre that we work in, there are a lot of celebrities and even models will not check themselves and yeah. show up on set late and think Ooh. that they can get away with things. Showing up late, and especially for all my brothers and sisters out there listening, the CP time, don't do it. Don't let them, oh, well, you know they're going to be late. We don't CP time. That That's an excuse. And you shouldn't let that be based on the color of your skin that you think you can be late or based on where you may think you are, that you can be late and disrespect other people's time. Because that's how I feel is if I'm running late, I'm going to let you know I'm five minutes away. I'm 10 minutes late. I'm going to hit you before and let you know I'm on my way. That's to me, it's respect. As we wrap up our conversation, Vivica offers up a hopeful insight about solidarity we are seeing from the world in turmoil. This world is in such a crazy transition right now. But I honestly do believe that we are going through this transition right now for a reason. We are having to go through a season of shedding. Bad energy, bad leadership. It made all of us sit still for a moment and really look at the world, at each other, 
through simple lenses. We couldn't say, I'm working, I'm busy, I'm doing this. Nope, everybody was sitting still. It's sitting still. And people were revealed for who they really were. And it's interesting, you know, I cook. So when we want to make a beautiful bone broth, that's clear. You boil that soup and you boil it for 24, 48 hours. You've been boiled for three days. And all the impurity rises up to the top. And you skim that off and you throw it away. And I feel like that's what's happening right now. We're making an amazing soup of, of the melting pot that we've all been waiting for. The pandemic, like, let's look at things in a different paradigm, right? The moment you can change your paradigm, how you see the world, and coming from a direction that that will help you understand the pendulum that's swinging. And if you can yeah. jump on that pendulum, like Miley Cyrus, holding on to that, that pendulum and swinging it, wrecking ball, do it. And mm-hmm. all that racism that we see on the internet right now, can I tell you, I no longer get angry. I started smiling because we're catching them. We know who Karen is now, don't we? <laughs> I'm really happy that our children uh, are embracing themselves however they come out. Oh. Light dark skin, red hair, blonde hair, dark hair, kinky hair, whatever it is. I love individuality and I love that it's finally being embraced. And then just to see like all of the different faces and nationality with the George Floyd killing, how it just like boiled things over and everybody was like, enough, enough. enough." enough. To see the protesters get out there of all nationalities. Because at first you just thought, okay, here come the brothers and sisters, of course. But this went worldwide. And I mean, every day, and they're still protesting. Our world is in transition. So John is an inspiration as an artist and a human being. His beginnings in the beauty and fashion industry were humble, and he has risen to an icon. I've been watching your career just skyrocket on cover of American Vogue, and, and it's, it's incredibly beautiful. We do need to talk about you as a Black man in this industry and kicking ass and how you can inspire others to do the same. So let's jump into that. How did you get your career started? I used to assist Pat and Charlotte, uh, Pat McGrath and Charlotte Tilbury for a while. And I just um, also used to do the windows at, you know, Barney's and Bergdorf uh, to make sure to make extra cast as an editorial assistant because you don't necessarily make a lot of money when you're uh, working in fashion as an assistant. So I needed to make more money. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Queens, to Riviera. So I started doing makeup in a strip club in Queens at night and then still working at the day with Charlotte or Pat or Pat Gay, Sampon and things like that. So that allowed me to, you know, get there or work for free or work for those small rates. You know, when we think about socioeconomic diversity, uh, a lot of the people who can have these roles as assistants or interns or protégés, their parents bankrolled their life. So I had to find a really creative way to make some money to go that route. What inspired you to even want to pick up a brush? I mean, I've been in school for art since I was like six. You know, my mom had me in school for art and I went to a high school for art and a great school. And then I went to, I moved to Atlanta when I was 18 uh, to an art school and I couldn't afford it because it was like a really expensive private school. And I just didn't come from, you know, financial backing. I had to support myself. So I had to drop out of school 
And I found a job at Mac. Well, I didn't find, they kind of found me. So I started the Mac and Linux store. I had the highest sales in the Southeast at like 18. It was my first job ever. Kind of like my first real job. They transferred me to New York at 19 years old, I want to say. So I got fired at 23 for being late. <laughs> and, and then I started, you know, then I started to, to do the windows at Barney's and Bergdorf and Henry Bendel's uh, on 1556. Uh, I ran into a friend who used to work with me at Mac back in the day. And he's like, hey, listen, you got to meet Pat McGrath. Come to the tents. Just come to one of the shows. This is when the shows were at the tents. And then I went and she asked me, would I be in Europe? Like, uh, you know, for the Milan shows two weeks later. And I, I said, yeah, sure. I'm going to get there. And I didn't have a passport or any way to get there. Or, but I just, I made it happen. You know, actually, the girls who I was, I was working with at the club kind of twerked me to Milan. <laughs> they put a, wow. a little package together of funds for me when I told them that I wanted to go, but I couldn't go. And they surprised me. And next thing I know, I'm in Milan. And uh, I'm being sent to Naomi Campbell's hotel room. She was my first client. And it was just kind of, the start of a lot of things. It's amazing and fascinating to hear this because with the Instagram world today, yeah. makeup artists grew and developed in a very different way. And also, Mac has been such a tremendous force in the industry. A lot yeah. of makeup artists come out working behind a counter of Mac. And, yeah. and I think it's because they really do allow people to take chances. And, and they were the first yeah. to embrace the transgender community, LGBTQ Absolutely community. Right. You know, listen, Mac is, is so legendary and it's, it grew up a generation of makeup artists. I mean, it was the pre-Instagram, pre that was the Insta look, you know, and spent so many uh, times, so much time backstage with Mac. And now I do like campaigns for Mac and things like that, but they've always been welcoming me with open arms and all throughout all points in my career. So when I was an assistant, when I was working behind the counter and all the way up until Super Bowls or Coachella's, they've always given me massive support. So shout out to Mac and those kind of brands. But and yes, the, biz the business has changed. Like the uh, business has changed in terms of being an artist. It's different now. Like people don't assist anymore. People don't feel like they need that education. But I don't feel like you can lead until you can effectively follow, you know? So it, it takes a great student um, to be able to be a great leader. Celebrities live in a world of constant pressure, performing and living under regular scrutiny. Mental health and emotional well-being is critical to their success and the support team is often overlooked. Sir John has often discussed this important aspect of his career. One of the things I do want to touch upon is that when you work as a makeup artist, the makeup artists and hairstylists of the team on Glam Team, they truly are the therapists yeah. for the talent that's sitting in the chair because it doesn't matter what, what the talent goes through that day. <laughs> you guys are the therapists to make sure that they feel most beautiful. I heard you talk yeah. about this and how yeah. important it is being a makeup artist, not just applying makeup. Yeah. It's about your heart and soul and it's about, yeah. it's about mental health. You know, I do master classes or speak at a beauty con or IMATS. And I just, I let people know a community of people who want to do this next or who are coming up. It's guys, I'm not in the business of makeup. I'm in the business of people. You know, there's so many people who do beautiful makeup, gorgeous like jobs of, you know, or the best colorists, the best, you know, cuts. but they lack a connection with people. The reason I'm here, the reason that we've been talking to me and the people want to stay tuned in because I love people first, you know, and I want them to feel good and feel championed around. I remember Rosie Huntington, uh, she asked me, how do you want women to feel when they leave your chair? And I was like, well, I, I don't want them to feel pretty because I feel like pretty is soft. I don't want them to feel sexy. Like, okay, you know, I want women to feel powerful. 
And mind you, a feminist who's listening will say, well, how does makeup or why does makeup need to make me feel powerful? What does that look like? But at the end of the day, I want to be the battery in their back to do with the next thing they have to do when they get out that chair, whether it be, you know, hit the runway or going to cover a magazine, a Super Bowl, a Coachella, whatever that looks like. I'm there to raise their vibration. And I think that, you know, the, the most successful people who are in hair and makeup have an intimate connection and can see someone's soul. I check in to make sure, she, how are you feeling? Like, how do you feel? It's before we go into makeup, okay, I get it. I know what dress you want to wear. I see your hair. That's cool. How are you? Let's check in. Let's do a temperature check. And that is, you know, a part of emotionally allowing her to put her hand back down. And trust me, you know, you can't, it's just, it's just not so transactional as I'm going to do your makeup and then you're going to go. When we look at cosmetics, it is emotional. Like you can't, when you think about fashion, you can't put your, you can't look your handbag in the face. Your handbag doesn't come, cover an emotional scar that you had when you were 16 that you have a memory for. So cosmetics is so spiritual and emotional and it has a, it resonates with us to our past and where we want to go. Yes, a right shade of realistic will build the confidence that you need for the challenges standing in front of my lens. And because let's be honest, that camera is very judgmental, right? Oh, what yeah. we do is very <laughs> judgmental. As we go back to mental health, that's adjacent as well. Like this over retouching, this, you know, the, the perfection and the changing that, you know, the body on, uh, there's apps you can do for all these kind of things. But what it does is like, and I'm a huge feminist. I'm, I love, I'm girl power all day, right? And I just feel like it, what it does is it separates a woman from herself. Like as soon as you take your phone in the morning, and it doesn't happen to guys in the same way. So this is mm. uh, like, you know, uh, it doesn't happen to us. So the thing is, as soon as they pick up their phone in the morning, they're bombarded with things that chip away at a connection that they have for themselves mm. or with themselves. Like when you watch television, if you think about the Mad Men era of marketing, all that stuff came, you know, concealer, uh, anti-wrinkle, all of these, they made holes in our, in our, our, our psyche to fill with a product. That's capitalism, you know? So if, when we look back at the history, it was designed to make you feel less whole. So I think the goal is you, know, you have to check out on your younger generation of girls from seven on up because they're being shipped their way at and that induces you know, depression, anxiety, and sometimes even suicide. As a person of color, Sir John broke ground in the fashion industry, which still remains homogenized. As things change, we need to continue to have these difficult conversations about representation and how to speak out about color and inclusion. You have been a quiet soldier. You, you were not one of the loudest in the room. In fact, you're probably one of the quietest in the room. And, but yet your work is so, speaks so loudly. <laughs> and, and I know that because I followed your career in the beginning yeah. and you did pay your dues in New York. Like we all say that New York yeah. is a fashion capital for hair and makeup and even photographers. I went to New York and paid my due. So we paid that due. But when the transition of the magazine started putting celebrities on the cover, LA yeah. would definitely start being embraced. There was a shift. Definitely yeah. a huge shift. Italian Vogue yeah. was shot here in Los Angeles. And yeah. we begin to see talent like you really, really excel. And geographically, it became irrelevant. Yeah. Rather, well, your talent became relevant. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, man. It wasn't easy. Like, I was, you know, I went from being Pat's assistant to being on the same agency as her at, uh, at Streeters. And listen, it wasn't easy as a, a black person in fashion. You know, there was so much lack of inclusivity. And still to this day, which I'm not proud about and it's not cool, the only black person in the room. So I just feel like, you know, there's so much work to be done. I remember, you know, having my book, like they would look through my book and there would be Naomi in there, Beyonce or whatever, whatever, Jones Smalls, uh, Jordan Dunn, Anais Molly. 
and some of the Serena, some of the greatest women of our time. But I had to take these girls out so my book could translate well across the pond. So it looks like I had to kind of hide the fact that I'm a black makeup artist. That's psychological warfare. And those all those small things that happen culturally, it's, it's a sense of trauma at some point. You know, as I look at when you can't rally around, you know, love you have for your community, it is traumatic. It chips away at you, you know, to a point where I just realized oh, I don't want to force myself on these on the fashion industry where they hire the same people. They want to have everyone laugh at the same jokes. They want to have the same passports, hold the same passports. But when you really think about it, that's the same thing that we see in the White House. Mirroring people who only look like I look, who have the same sentiments I have, who, you know, basically occupy the same space mentally in the wavelength that I do. And, and that's not modern. That doesn't encourage growth and doesn't encourage yeah. evolution and development. And interesting enough that Pat McGrath, is a, she's black. And a lot of people don't know that, right? Free Instagram people did not know that. Because so she doesn't lean into it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, why. that's my point. I'm keep it real. Can I say she doesn't lean into yeah. it? But right now, I feel like lean into it as much as you can. I'm embracing my color as much as I can now. And I have to tell you, to be completely honest with you, for, for 10 years, 15 years, yeah. In my own community, in Asian community, they didn't recognize me as which region I'm from because I'm so dark. When I say I'm Chinese, I get into arguments. If I go to a Chinese restaurant and order food in Mandarin, they're like, how do you, how do you speak Mandarin perfectly? I'm, I'm Chinese. Oh, no, you're not. It begins an argument and I don't get my dumplings fast enough. So I just stop (laughs) speaking Mandarin in Chinese restaurants. But you're absolutely right about what our community have become and how the color is so much it, it, no pun intended so important the palette yeah, it is yeah. so important it is not a black the white palette the range yeah. of colors in between and i said celebrate the rainbow and you being so aware of that now yeah. i think is so important i do mm-hmm. believe there's a lot of us who are silent champions right but through this time is that when i finally realized that our color is our what we wear and we need to amplify in any yes. way we can well, this is the thing you saw, you know, you have to realize is that if we were waiting on the fashion industry or the beauty industry to, to be more inclusive, we would still be waiting. What has been our champion, which has been our saving grace, is social media. It's like social media is so democratic. Everyone has, their, uh, has a voice and is able to use it. And that's really what's propelled us into the future. Um, but when we talk about like, you know, for example, I have so many friends. Everyone knows like my multi friends from all around the world, from Iceland to South America, right? Why are we campaigning just for black lives? And the thing that you have to realize is that black bodies are regarded in this, in this country the way other lives are. It, it's even a study that people think that black people have a higher pain threshold than other people. And what that translates to is the over-policing of our communities, you know, um, disregard for us in healthcare, whatever that looks like. But listen, I, I feel like when we fight, we fight for everybody. So like when we look at women's rights, gay rights, animal rights, it comes from civil rights. It comes from black people like saying, this is enough. You know, I'm being hosed down in the streets, actually campaigning for their freedom, campaigning for social and equitable justice. And it's the first time we got to see solidarity in a, in a proper way of definition, Sorry. right? What was most incredible for me personally, from a silent worker just doing my job, is when I realized that I have a platform that I need to amplify it. We realize the power that we have from makeup artists to stylists to, to people who are in the food industry, to anyone who has a voice should get a voice at this time. We just have to do the work. I think that, you know, we're in an era where, listen, the genie's not going to go back into the bottle. 
you know? And mm-hmm. But this revolution that we're having, and I call it revolution because there's a lot of change that's also adjacent to it. Listen, hundreds of thousands of people are marching in the same direction because they see that this is the most modern direction forward. You can't go out the side door or the back door. You have to go through the front door this time. And so I just feel like, you know, listen, it, it doesn't always feel good or easy to, to speak up. I definitely remember times when I'm like, shit, am I going to lose it all by being vocal? Am I going to lose my contracts by speaking up for justice and equity and things that really matter? It's an inside job. And the way we see ourselves is really affects our mental health. A lot of these things that we're seeing, like our community is inducing so much trauma. So I had to, I had to speak up. I had to speak up. And honestly, I was willing to risk it all and still am to say what's right and to say what's not. So I'm, that's why I'm using my platform. I know people might not follow me any longer because they were like, where's the makeup? Where's the beauty? Where's the glam? Where's Beyonce? Where's this? It's not about that right now. It's really about making sure that, you know, we champion voices that are not heard or marginalized communities. They need a space right now. And so if I can be an usher of change or an usher of light in that, in that way, that's my job. That's my job. Social media has changed the messages we take in and the way we receive the world. More than ever, those with influence are taking a responsibility for their platform and understanding the importance of their voice. Sir John has bravely advocated for mental health issues and realizing the need for self-care. We need to shift how we see our reflection in order to make the outward change in the larger world. When you go live, I think it's very important. It's about mental health yes. because it's such a taboo in a black community. Yeah, it's yes, not right. talked about. Black and Hispanic community. I mean, you know, listen, we, we grew up in a, in a generation of you got to go to church. <laughs> if you're going through, you better go to give, give it to God, you know. But like, you know, I think that we, we're seeing this is a new generation. There's so much change happening at the same time. And listen, mental health is it's self-care. Self-care is not selfish. Even fragrance you spray on is mental health. Cosmetics, that's mental health. It's an emotional well-being. You're leaning into yourself. Uh, and it moves the needle emotionally inside. Some people say, oh, well, listen, I'm not affected by beauty. I don't care about that kind of stuff. However, if you're having a good hair day and you pass your reflection in a building window, it moves the needle emotionally. So that is, is it's adjacent to mental health. And so, I mean, in terms of beauty, yes, mental health is important. But on a larger scale, uh, if there's so much trauma. Listen, I go to a therapist. I have some tools. And if I don't know how to cope, I know so many millions of people around the world are just really in a space where they're not able to. And so the voices that you, when you see people, you know, rioting or looting or burning or breaking, that's, those are people, that's trauma. That's trauma. That's and so pain. I was talking to, it's pain, it's pain. And I was talking to a friend and she was saying, well, listen, I don't know about, you know, the looting. I don't know about that actual, the riot part of it. The, that's adjacent to destruct. They, cu- they come together, baby. And I'll tell you how. And the thing is when, you know, when we were silently protesting, it was a problem when we were, you know, try, legislation doesn't change that. But I, I say something. If you think about like 1937 Berlin, 1939 Berlin, when your grandparents were trying to free the face of oppression or evil, you would want cannons to roll down the street. You would want broken glass. You, you needed to shake the uh, building. And so like that's all you're seeing now. I think if, if anyone now in 2020 and like as of today can't see that, you know, the, the disregard or the fact, listen, there's so much systematic racism in the United States. It's in the DNA and the fabric. It's America's brand. I hate to say it, if you really think about it. And it's how we were built. Like this country was built off of the backs of black slaves. We weren't slaves, we were enslaved. 
I talk to my Puerto Ricans, my Dominicans, you know, my Cubans. We have this conversation often with different people. I'm never going to argue with anybody because I don't have time for that. But sometimes you have to lean in just to let people know, listen, the things that these people are fighting for, black people, we all will benefit from. Even That's white right. people will benefit from. And when I say white people, that means that your children will have a more just future. Your children will have less strife. There won't be so many disparages in education. So it rises all of our votes when these black when black people go out there and campaign for social justice. It's it's really a win for society in general. As an artist with influence by large corporate brands, Sir John has been honest in his appraisal and how they need to continue to improve. Without recognizing the issues and suffering the growing pains, we're not going to achieve the necessary change. In our culture, in a beauty culture, there's so many different voices. Yeah, but, for sure. But within but them- Not really, and I'll tell you why. And I don't wanna, I wanna be, I'm gonna keep it real. I think that we're in an era right now, Gen Zers, they shot by values. And I think that right now, uh, the reason I feel free speaking about cultural issues, speaking about things like mental health, wellness, is because right now we're in a period in time, there's so much happening, you have to stand for something. You have to have a point of view. And to be honest with you, a lot of people in our business, they don't have a point of view besides what's pretty or what's beautiful. I'm okay with my few followers and, and not having millions, but because I can be completely real with them and, you know, and have a connection with the people. And that connection that I have with them is because of the fact that I, I stand for something. And whether, whether it be social ch change, justice, or making a woman feel whole, you know, like uh, this whole notion of uh, over-retouching and all that kind of stuff like that, you got to stand for something. I think that we're... We're seeing some, it's like the 60s, you know, that cultural change that happened in 67, you know, from about 67 to 71. We're in an era of, of change, whole shift in understanding, awakening, uh, and, and everything. Yeah. In this path, how yeah. do you keep the clients accountable? How do you keep these businesses and companies that you work with? How do you keep them accountable? Because you yeah. do have a voice to make a change. Yeah. So listen, this is not outward facing, you know, people on outside can't see this, but I, I held L'Oreal to task. And even if anyone's here from that Zoom that we had, hey, hey guys, <laughs> you know, we had a Zoom with like a town hall with 200 employees or something like that. And some of the executive board members. And my whole thing is, uh, and I'm doing one with Shiseido, uh, shout out to Tiffany very soon as well. But for me, it's like whatever space you occupy in any direction that you have an ear or someone's attention. That's that's the direction that you should use it. You know, I don't I don't work in legislation. I don't do, you know, all this other kind of community organizing. But what I do well is the beauty industry and the fashion industry knows who I am. And so what I can do is I can hold them accountable. And what accountability looks like is making sure that don't just be an ally, be an accomplice. An ally is someone who is very comfortable helping you or uh, to see justice or to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as long as you're comfortable, as long as, you know, I'll row my boat with you as long as you know the waves don't <laughs> mess up my dress. But an accomplice is what we need. We need accomplices. And accomplices are the people who will go home and tirelessly talk to their children, educate themselves, educate other white people about whiteness and white supremacy, what that really looks like. Um, an accomplice is willing to go into a protest and actually get arrested with you. Or go to her boss and say, hey, you know what? This conversation that we're having actually is quite oppressive. It makes you know some of the people that we have here who are, who are black or brown or Asian or whatever that looks like, Feel, feel marginalized. That's what modern activism looks like. And it, and it doesn't have to happen on a grand scale. It can happen in any direction, at a water cooler, in the mail room, or whatever that looks like. But you know, I, have a, I have an obligation to hold the brands accountable that I'm working with. I, you know, you, are you echoing voices? Do you want to hear voices that are in a novel direction than your own?
You know, so I think that's the only way forward. Uh, sometimes that's not popular. It's not popular to speak up, you know, but it hasn't done. This is a time of shift. And when we talk about mental health, we talk about color, we talk about how do we make these changes, it really starts with the corporations. It yes. really starts with the community of corporations, who they hire, uh, what they surround each other with, right? How do you grow and understand about the African-American culture where you don't have African-American friends? To your point with the brands, you know, and I made a video so on my Instagram, uh, like next steps, because well, I'm really solution oriented. And I think the, the yes. goal is, is to make sure that, that there's a diverse board that the people who are at the executive level who are in the hiring, the HR department, the marketing uh, and advertising firms are massive aggressors of pushing uh, buyers, an agenda. The, yeah, the an directors. agenda that's not, that's not multicultural. I mean, so really, it's not one direction that we should occupy uh, diversity, but it's, it's tiered. It doesn't, it, I shouldn't be the voice that, lis- that you listen to because I have like, you can Google me, or I might seem popular, or I might have this client. Listen to every black voice. Hear everyone. I have been campaigning for women's rights for so long. We go to Women of Worth events, making sure that we are championing women's voices around the world. When a woman comes into the office and says, hey, listen, someone followed me down the street for two blocks. We're up in arms. When a woman says, hey, listen, I want to walk to my car, but I don't feel quite safe because it's like 9 p.m. or whatever that looks like. We rally around her to make sure she feels whole and safe and we get her to her vehicle. If someone came into the office and talks about a racist atmosphere, we think, oh, it's possibly your imagination. And that's really the work that needs to be done. I mean, like, listen, we, we want it cruelty-free on cosmetics or skincare. We got it. When we want it, you know, vegan this or clean initiatives, we got it, you know? So, but there's so many more boxes that need to be checked and we need to still campaign and honestly shake the table and raise hell until we do. I want to thank Vivica A. Fox and Sir John for taking the time for their inspiring conversations. But continue to remind us the importance of hustling and recognizing the power of our voice. Thank you to all my listeners for your constant support. Please subscribe to this podcast for more open conversations. You can visit our website at letstalkwithusite.com and follow me on Instagram at usite88 for updates. Talk is a production of 88 Faces. I'm your host, Yusai. Art director, Louis Hyman. And writer, editor, and producer, Trevor Swanigan.